T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. I tweeted out that Brock Purdy now has as many tones as Jimmy Garoppolo had as, uh, as in his entire postseason career. And there were multiple people saying, like, don't bash Jimmy, which... I actually thought it was pretty interesting because all I did was tweet out a fact. Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't put a judgment a in it. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say anything negative about it. I simply pointed out that fact. And the reason being is because I think it is always important to look at context. Right. And this is the third time that the 49ers have been in the playoff with Kyle Shanahan as head coach and Zane used his best team. And I'm not going to disagree with, but far and away, this is his best offense. And I think that yeah. is uniquely different about this of the 49ers and their chances in the playoffs versus 2009 and 2021. At You could argue the offense carried the defense on Saturday. Right now, the defense only gave up 23. They gave up 17 in the first half, and then they gave up a cheap six towards the end of the game. Right. They almost they almost kept that NC 17 uh, status in this game, uh, but they did give up that that touchdown towards the end. But I think it's important to, to look at it and go. This offense is so dynamically better than either of those offenses in 2019 and and 2021 that going I in 2021 if you would have said hey you're gonna make it Super Bowl but you're gonna have to face the Bills or the Chiefs or hell even the Bengals I'd have been like ooh they was earlier in the season but the Bengals offense the Bengals offense you know had gotten better uh up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been like, Ooh, that's tough. I don't know uh, if the defense isn't going to be able to play like they had been in the playoffs. I, I don't know that we win that game. I, I don't, I don't know that there's a, there's a team in the postseason that the 49ers can't match up with blow for blow at this point. And that I think where it is wholly different than any other experience that we've had as a fan base, at least in the Kyle Shanahan era. And so while I understand pointing out Jimmy only had four 
total touchdowns and Brock had four in one game may seem like I'm trying to say, see Brock is better than Jimmy. And I wasn't, I was really trying to point out that Brock this offense is in such a different stratosphere than those others that I think it's important to understand that because, and we set it up at, at, at the top of the show, this defense it doesn't look as formidable as it did earlier this season. But the nice thing is that it doesn't have to be for this team to win in the postseason. And that I think is the most important development. I think, uh, first of all, stop bashing Jamie Bryant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the thing to remember is and just in general, in the NFL, as, as the season goes on, offenses at the beginning of the season defenses are ahead of the offenses right that's typically how it goes because offenses haven't had much time together they don't play in the preseason all that stuff right takes time to get in rhythm at the end of the year it flips and the offenses are the ones that are rolling because they've had a full season together and and they've been able to expose defensive tendencies and things like that they've had a full year of film on defenses so typically you see that with most teams that the defense typically drops off around playoff time and sometimes the drop off is dramatic and the same exact thing happened in 2019 where the defense dropped off a little bit it was mostly because of injuries because at that time, like it was Tart and Quan Alexander and several other players were, had, were nursing injuries. Several of the key players were nursing injuries and they had to somewhat, the offense had to somewhat carry the load for a few games there. Uh, the Saints game being the, the kind of crescendo in that, that series. But yeah. right now, when, as we kind of go into the, the recap of this game, I was a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit worried at the end of that first half. And the the offense, you could tell that that the first part of the game, the, the weather was bothering Brock. Like it, he wasn't able to throw the ball in the first drive. And I was like, you know, he's been throwing with gloves on in practice. Why don't we get get let's get him the gloves. Right. And that's something that he he alluded to in his press conference as well when he when he was asked about it. And he mentioned that the first the first few throws got away from him just because of the wet weather. And that's totally fine. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. And you see the pundits saying, oh, well, he had a shaky, shaky first half. Well, I mean, not really. If it was dry weather, I'd, I'd, I would bet on him making those throws, right? Because he he found he made the right read. He just had trouble getting the ball to the receiver because of wet ball. If, it was, if he was throwing it constantly to other people, like, for example, if he had a Trevor Lawrence first half, then I would have been really worried, right? <laughs> right. But he had he had a much better first half than his than his numbers indicated. And I think that a lot of people were misled by just a, a couple of throws. So I was a little bit concerned with how the defense played uh, just because they gave up a couple of big plays that the long touchdown Mooney Ward had his, I would say this was easily his worst game as a 49er. And oh, yeah. it's not a big deal because they won, but it's kind of concerning because it came in at a really bad time. And the other thing was that Jimmy Ward at the end of the Wards had a really tough day yesterday, basically right <laughs> overall. Jimmy Ward at the end of the first half, uh, I, I didn't agree with the squib kick to kick that for the as for the kickoff, just kick it deep, kick it out of the end zone. And then once they got the ball at like the 38 yard line, I was like, well, they have all three timeouts, like nine seconds left, right? Yeah. Geno Smith runs. Jimmy Ward inexplicably takes a, a stupid ru roughing penalty or unnecessary roughness penalty when Geno Smith slides, puts him in a field grain. Myers Myers hits the 56 yarder, and then all of a sudden the momentum that you had in getting the go-ahead field goal on the previous drive is gone. And at that point, I was kind of worried. And I don't know, yeah. how, how did you guys feel at that point? Yeah, I, I definitely was. And that was one of the dumber plays that I've seen for Jimmy Ward. I, I don't yeah. know what he was thinking. And then you go in to halftime down instead of with the lead. And obviously, it didn't matter. They came back and played well. But the defense has me 
yeah, has me nervous right now because it, you look at the final score and you're like, oh, well, they cruised. Well, they were down by – Niners were up by six about halfway through the third quarter, and the Seahawks were driving in Niners territory. And then Amenehu gets the, gets the strip, Bosa recovers the fumble, and, and kind of the rest is history. But where I get the most nervous with this is I think they've given up over 100 yards rushing in two of their last three games now. Um, Devontae Adams abused them. And DK Metcalf did too in this past game. So do I get a little worried with possibly Justin Jefferson? Maybe. Let's see what happens in this game. And we're recording as the Vikings and Giants are playing. Do I get a little worried with that? Do A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith worry me? Yeah, that, that kind of worries me because, Brian, you said, yeah, they can score with this, these teams now. But when you do have issues on the defensive side, a turnover here, a fluky play there, and the game can turn very easily. Now, they did turn it around. They did have some big plays, but they definitely don't look like the unstoppable force they were in the middle of the season. So that has me a little bit nervous, and we're going to see if they can turn it around. They certainly have the talent, but, you know, Bosa was kind of – he was neutralized yesterday, I thought. Um, he didn't really do much of anything. So the secondary is an issue. Game, it was Bosa's first game this year without a pressure. Oh, he didn't have one pressure really. The whole game. wow, one pressure. Wow, yeah. and I think it's his first playoff game without a sack too. Honestly, mm-hmm. so he just yeah, he just didn't. So that that definitely has me worried a little bit. And I think we're we're being naive or kind of turning a blind blind eye to it if we if we say it's not. That's something that we'll see as they move forward if they could bounce back. But I'm I'm def again big picture. I want to win a Super Bowl. So in terms of winning a Super Bowl, I'm I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Obviously, they've had three of their worst performances in the last three weeks, right? Um, which is not ideal you know, going into the postseason and then the first game of the postseason. Uh, but the other thing is, it, we talked about it. You know, it is difficult to beat a team three times. And if you, you know, if you, as an offensive staff, if you are seeing a defense for the third time, you're going to have some some wrinkles, right? You're going to have some some things that, that you're going to try and get them on. And, and it seemed pretty evident to me that they went into this game saying Nick Bosa is not going to be the reason that we lose this game. And they seem to neutralize him pretty well, but you saw what happened once you got Bosa neutralized. And then you've got Charles Amenu, who I believe had five pressures in this game and had the one sack should have had two. Um, and so sure. Yeah. The focus guy and you're the other, the other three are, are, are good enough to get home. And so, um, it, it's it's concerning, but I uh, again I'm not I, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. Uh, they still only gave up 23 points to a, a a playoff team, right? I mean that's let's let's stop let's stop uh, you know let, let's stop parsing our words here. This is a playoff team, and this was the playoffs, and they still only gave up 23, um, and they scored 41. So um, you know, and then uh, you got to the point where now we can have, uh, you know, we can have uh, cartoons like uh, like this one from uh, Dave Rapoccio, who is uh, at Draw Play Dave, uh, and you've got Kyle Shanahan uh, disrespectfully dunking on the gum chomping Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll, and if you cannot see that. Uh, the sweatshirt that, uh, that Kyle Shanahan is wearing says Bosa Deeb's nuts. So, <laughs> uh, I saw that, uh, yesterday and I was like, oh, I got to get that on the show. Cause that's, that's phenomenal. But you know, the, the defense again, you know, th- 
I don't know that you can sustain the kind of play that they that they had, uh, especially you know before these last three games. They were historically good, right? You know how many shutouts did they have, including uh, against the the Cardinals last week? They added to their total. So, um, you know, and I guess I said the last three weeks they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't play they didn't play terribly against uh, against Arizona. Uh, somebody actually commented. Uh, and I'm glad that they did. Uh, said Kyle was bumping uh, Seahawks play uh, in the scrum, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen again because I actually have this up, uh, and I wanted to touch on it. You know, you said earlier, uh, Zane, that you've or, or maybe it was Al. One of you said that that the turning point of the game was when uh, when Debo got his his ankle twisted, and what I loved to see was uh when that happened Kyle Shanahan uh ended up uh out on the field uh in the midst of uh, of the Seattle Seahawks players and hopefully this will come through but you see him here he's in the scrum like he's in with the Seattle players he's like I don't I don't care for trying to hurt my my all-world wide receiver I'm coming to let you know that is that is unacceptable and I love seeing that from the head coach and and I agree that that it did seem to kind of knock the entire team out of their uh, their that that tight play that they had in the first half. Uh, but I still feel like the point of the game really was that Amenahu strip sack, which you know Seattle was on their way to possibly scoring another touchdown to go up twenty four twenty three. They yeah. get the strip sack, they go down and score, and all of a sudden it's thirty one to. Uh, what 31 17 and and the route is on so as much as as much as people want to the you know the that play being the the turning point if you will uh the twisting of Debo's ankle I really do think it's still a men who sack that go uh unnoticed and so um so yeah it's uh it's concerning but again they made big plays when they needed to strip sack uh, interception by, by Diamador Lenore shout out to Lenore who you know had a, had quite a few people kind of questioning whether he should be on the field or not and for him to have the game that he did against against Seattle I think was big for him as well the 49ers had I believe uh eight drives one two three four five six seven eight nine sorry ten drives they had ten drives yesterday they scored on eight of them the other two drives, a punt, and the kneel down to end the game. I mean, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's that's unbelievable. And that to and they me, probably didn't play that well. <laughs> they were yeah, a little shaky. You know what I mean? They were yeah. a little shaky. Like they weren't even hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely. They they weren't hitting on on all cylinders. And you know, Brock missed a couple open open guys at the beginning, and Ayuk dropped the touchdown. And the defense, you know, had a couple lapses as well. It, it could have been it could have been worse. And for the Seahawks, and I think that. All the concerns that we have about the defense. First of all, I, I, before getting getting to that, uh, to address your point about Kyle being in the scrum, I don't know if you guys remember, but in um, and we're old enough to remember because we're old farts. But remember in uh, the ninety the ninety four playoffs the when they played the Bears, and uh, Steve Young had a had a quarterback keeper uh, up the middle for a touchdown, and he got hit. Uh, I think Sean Gale hit him in the end zone, and he had, he was like clearly in the end zone and like popped him, and right away the goat comes up and like, he's ready to fight. It's not like, Hey, don't do that. It's like, Hey, we're fighting. And there's like 10 guys, 10, like oh, the entire yeah. team 
gets in there and they're and they're that that kind of was what reminded me of of what happened yesterday where it's not like hey don't do that it's like hey we're fighting and we're fighting right yeah. now. yeah brandon Ayuk was the one that like initiated that just like jerry rice and uh I, I think Brandon Ayuk, we can start calling Brandon Ayuk the smoke monster because he wants all the smoke. Because Brandon Ayuk, if you remember, in camp was also the one that tried to fight Fred Warner after Warner gave a pop to one of the uh, like practice squad wide receivers. It wasn't even one of the guys that was going to make the team. So uh, I love it. Zane, that's a great, uh, a great comparison. Yeah, and Ayuk yeah, made that big block on that Debo touchdown run too. You know, he just yeah. doing the little things yesterday as well. And I wanted to say about Debo really quick. He didn't have a great season. We talked about it. He had some injuries, numbers-wise anyway. He didn't have too many prolific games. Well, he did in the in this game, and he came up huge. Six catches for a buck 33, had the 74-yard touchdown catch, three carries for 32 yards. And that's kind of starting to be a theme for him in the playoffs. You know, in the NFC Championship game, he has, uh, what was it, 98 total yards and, and a big touchdown in that game. In the wild card last year, he had 72 yards rushing and a touchdown, um, three catches for 38 yards in that game. He's starting to... to be someone you can rely on to be a clutch player in the playoffs. And it was good. I thought that they definitely needed him to get going again. And it looks like he did. So I wanted to give Debo a shout. And I thought we had to say something about him for sure on the show because he, he did step up so much. I think yeah, the most, I was say, I think the most impressive thing on that, on that touchdown catch that he had, uh, I have it on, on my timeline. I'm sure you can find it anywhere, but go back and watch that. You can literally see, Debo shift gears at the opposite 40 yard line and pull away from everybody. It's like, like I said, go watch it. And, and it, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. It's not any, it's, you can literally see him go into another gear and, and it almost looks like another mile or two and an hour faster, right? Where he just pulls away from me and it's, and it's done. And it was, I mean, the 49ers are just full of guys that when you get the ball in their hand, any one of them can house it. And 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 it's no other offense in the NFL has that capability like the 49ers do. And that's what makes them so incredibly dangerous. Yeah, and that not would... even house, house it. Sorry, Zane. There, there were three or four plays I can think of off the top of my head where you're talking second and 12, third and eight, whatever it was. And they catch a five-yard pass, and I was like, oh, shit. You know, they got, and then they just make a move, and they're five more yards down the field for the first down. Kittle did it once. Debo did it a couple of times. McCaffrey seems like he constantly does it. And just little things like that, too, that keep the chains moving. The whole offense is is like a cheat code. It looks like it's, it's finally, finally starting to hit what we all hoped it could. Yeah, and I think that when – we look at the, the embarrassment of riches that they have on offense. It, it could be any number of guys that, that beat you. Kid only had two, two receptions yesterday, but both of them were important. But that being said, McCaffrey also only had two receptions as well. And, and it goes to your point Al, where they, they probably could have had more and they probably could have done more. It's just, I, I really feel like this is one of those things that makes it so hard to defend them. And this is going to be one of those things going forward as we move forward in the playoffs that teams are going to have troubles, trouble matching up with because you don't know who it's going to be. All right, cool. They want to bracket McCaffrey, take him away. All right. Debo's going to kill you. All right. D you want to take away Debo, double him. All right. Ayuk's going to kill you. You want to take that away? Kittle's there. And if, if you have a quarterback who's putting the ball where it needs to be, all of that works, right? Because if, if it were, if it were somebody else that was not able to get it to the open guy or make the proper read, then then we'd have an issue, right? Like Jimmy struggled with this a lot, right? Where they would take somebody away and he just wouldn't be able to find another option. 
that's the difference to me between those two guys is that there's certain things that Brock does that that Jimmy didn't do that held Jimmy back when he was when he was starting here. And I think that that's allowed Kyle to really open up the offense. And and this is really what we've been hoping for all along when when Kyle got here is is to see this type of offense. He didn't have necessarily all of the pieces that he has now, but this is what we were hoping for in terms of production, in terms of point production. So they finally had that going. This is a team that nobody wants to play, right? Like this is we're we're watching. I don't know the score of the uh, the the Giants of Vikings game right now. The twenty four twenty four right now. We're all perfect. Yeah. I want a triple overtime game. I want lots of minutes <laughs> on those bodies, and I want Minnesota to come here to Levi's to play the 49ers. I think that's that's the easiest matchup for the Niners offense as we look forward to potentially a divisional round matchup. And the Vikings have the the 31st ranked defense in the league, so second to last, and they're awful on that side of the ball. And the 49ers now have an offense that can exploit that because in the past, you go up in that against that matchup and, and you say, well, so-and-so team has the 32nd ranked defense in the league. Well, the offense could never exploit it because they can never put up points. That's the difference this year is that the offense will be able to exploit it. So to me, you've got you've got your choice of here, obviously. You've got Minnesota, Dallas, or Tampa Bay. You're going to play one of those three teams next next weekend. We don't know. I'm not sure if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. We haven't decided yet. But I I, I choose Minnesota. I'm sorry. I think it depends on the game. It depends like on the, the game. Opponent. Right? It on the opponent. Yeah. So I'm going to say, you know, I want Minnesota. Right. Justin Jefferson scares the hell out of me, but that's the matchup I want because of that Minnesota defense. I I as well want Minnesota to win this game uh, for two reasons. Uh, again. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I want to host the NFC Championship game. That's what I want, personally. That's what I And so to me the two teams that I think have the best shot of beating Philly in Philly in the divisional round are Dallas and or Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't think that this Giants team can do it, although the Giants team barely lost to Philadelphia last week in week 18, and they were playing the majority of their backups. So maybe Giants have what it takes. Um, but ideally, my my hope is, again, that, that, the, uh, that, that the, the Vikings win. And then whoever the Phillies play or the, the Phillies, whoever Philly plays in the divisional round comes out with a dub because that means that then the NFC championship game will be in Santa Clara. But here's the thing that I think is interesting. Um, I, I don't, I don't want Dallas or Tampa Bay to beat Philly because I don't want to play them. I just want to host the NFC championship game. I honestly, I am not concerned with any team that remains in the NFC when it comes to the 49ers as an opponent. But do you know who is concerned? Do is scared? It's Eagles fans. Eagles yep. fans are already tweeting about the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And that is the only way that they're going to face them is in a potential NFC championship game, which is still two weeks away. And yet 
Eagles fans are already tweeting about it. And so I, uh, I, I poked the bear a little bit and I said, Eagles fans tweeting about the 49ers a full two weeks prior to a potential NFC championship game <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about how they're feeling. And then I included a gif of uh, Ralph Wiggum's wetting his pants. Uh, I remember that's that episode. What, that was so good. That is what they are doing. <laughs> and I love it. I love it because it means that we're already in their head. They're terrified. They are genuinely terrified. And I love every second of it. 